sunny Boy. days are here again. It has been actually song, quite I just sort of improv. Relatively cold as Indiana in March goes. How, uh, what, what temperatures do you have down there? I think it's like 30-something right now. Dang, we were 20 degrees warmer than you today. It was about 50 degrees. So it's it has been consistently nice for the last few days. So I'm digging it. Even though I have a okay, job, job inside has no windows there is a window but it looks out to the hallway i think we've discussed this before um well here's the thing the temperature outside is nice but it's at a trans it's a transitional inflection point like between between too cold to wear a winter coat and pants early in the morning when i'm working at ups and too hot to wear a winter coat and uh uh Carhartt well, that and then to like in the this time of year, and then like in like the early fall too, when it starts to get chillier, it's like the the buildings all have their heat cranked up on campus because it seems like there's only hot or cold in those two buildings or in those in those buildings. Those are the only two settings, and so like you walk in, and then you have to like take your coat off, and then you go outside, and it's kind of warm enough to wear a coat, kind of not. Mm. It's in between, yeah, it's kind of a weird part of the year. Middle of the winter, you can just leave your coat on the whole time, right? And honestly, leading go easing into winter, you you tend to wear uh, less. You you, you kind of you know uh, grit your teeth and uh, uh, you're gradually uh, accumulating the layers as they are necessary, right? But I think it takes longer. There's like a, a period of time where it's like if you're getting colder, you will not wear a jacket or a coat in that temperature. Mm-hmm. But if it's getting warmer, you'll continue to wear a coat in that temperature. Yeah. Where it's like... Or just don't wear a coat the whole time like some people. I mean, or wear shorts the whole season like some people. Mm-hmm. Like nobody on this podcast. Certainly no. not this podcast. No. Have Couldn't you fig- be me. Have you figured out uh, liturgical shorts? Or oh, Liturgical shorts are a big no. Oh, but no? Clerical shorts. Um, cler- clerical clerical shorts? shorts, however, are a different matter. Because then you oh, just okay. have black slacks, right? Yeah, you just have black shorts. There you go. And in, in general, I I think you shouldn't wear shorts when you're you're doing priest stuff. But yeah. I'm going to make an exception when you're having like an outdoor picnic. Oh, sure. And it's going to be more than an, an hour. Like if you're doing a vacation Bible school and the middle of july and you have yeah. to be out there for an extended period of time i am gonna be all about clerical shorts yeah mm-hmm. then i think and then like in some parts of the world too or like in the tropics i feel like those are pretty common just because you know you kind of have to dress for the weather yeah <laughs> gotta dress for that 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 uh weather though I'm going to miss squinting at John down the hallways. Sounds like his uh, student teaching is going to be up soon. Um, I was hoping like, dang, it'd be nice if he could work at Shanley and then we could eat lunch or something in the lunchroom because I have no other reason to eat lunch. 
Actually, I haven't been eating lunch lately because I'm trying to. That's why it. leftovers are taking so long to yeah. deplete, and I've been carrying. I'm like, I don't weight. move as much, so I'm just going to eat less if I want to lose weight. But then I end up like, I still end up eating like normal size, like dinners and whatnot. But we uh, produce leftovers more than we eat them these days with this number of people in this part of the country localized entirely in our kitchen <laughs> and without one of the you know 80th percentile eaters in the house yeah right <laughs> um so i guess how 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 have uh how is uh seminary going in the last week or so oh it's been a very busy week much to do do you guys Not have enough uh, time to do it like midterms it's about midterm season uh-huh. right now uh-huh and I haven't actually had any of my midterms yet, but I had like a hundred pages of Summa to read this week. Oh, dang. And uh, I had a presentation in two different classes, and we had our annual phonathon, meaning that I have to call 30 people up to three times and ask them to give us money. Ah, uh, mm. those are always fun. Normally, in a non-COVID year, that would be done like you sit down for three hours on a Tuesday night and slog through it. But this year, we obviously can't be that close together, and there's just uh, not enough space for that. So mm-hmm. they had us all do it from our cell phones, which is obviously a great idea. Yeah, oh, clearly. Because area codes. Mm-hmm. And I have a Colorado area code, and we have never had people from Colorado come to St. Minerid. Hmm. Why would they when, you know, they have a a theology school in Denver? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a completely different archdiocese <clears throat> in Denver. Well, we we used to have seminarians from like Washington state and California and stuff, so mm-hmm. and New Mexico. Mm. So Minerad has had guys from all over the place, really, but interesting. Colorado is not one of them. Evidently not. Duluth and New Ulm used to send here as well. Sure. Where do they send them now? Like St. Thomas or what? Yeah, SPS. Hmm. St. Paul's Seminary in St. Paul. Ah, I gotcha. I suppose it's closer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I could, I could throw a rock at the... St. Thomas as I drive here down I-94 through mm-hmm. Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that sort of on, is that like kind of on the east side of Minneapolis? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've only really been like downtown or like the west side. I've been to St. Paul a little bit, but not a ton. I was, uh, I think speaking of Catholic colleges, there was one time with the legendary Ben on the legend on the on the uh, trip with Emma and Colton when we took out there, where we were just walking around in a park and then we rounded a corner. I was like, "Oh, that's Saint Scholastica College right there." I had no idea that was in Duluth, but okay. <laughs> the more you learn, I guess, walking around random parks, mm. hopping back and forth in a Swear Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything new with you nathan that riley doesn't know about uh not not a lot i got um paperwork that i needed to fill out to be a godfather for two of my little cousins Mm. which is pretty great 
So I needed to um, have a priest sign and stamp it to say, hey, this kid's uh, Catholic, by the way. Uh, I, I, I'm an actual priest. Going to be. Right. No, no, I'm... I'm oh, you're the, Catholic. The godfather oh, uh, in question will be Catholic, is Catholic. Yes. That, because that would be a problem if you were baptizing yeah. him into a, the Catholic faith and that wasn't so right. So they, so they need that authentication. Anyway, so I was talking to Monsignor at the Newman Center, and we couldn't find the parish seal. So it's like, yeah, I'll get that back to you in a week. Oh, gosh. Like, okay. At, like, at least it isn't until know, like April when the... Know, like where that would have been. Right. Well, we um, are... are <clears throat> our secretary uh, was. It, it should be in her office, but she's not there because she's not working there anymore. Well, that and she doesn't work Fridays normally, does she? Not Did usually, she? no. Yeah, but she doesn't work any Fridays here anymore. She's yeah, that's left. true. No, they've sort of. Uh, that's going to be a whole big thing. It will be a whole th- big thing. Getting There's... a new business manager and for a new building and new, 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 new. A lot of new things. A lot of new stuff. New, 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 new. Anyway, so like other than that, I mean, I'm still just plugging away at my classes. They're they're tough. There's a lot of math. I I worked out a um with my lab partner for um senior design we were making a door alarm that if you leave it open for a minute it'll buzz and so we got that uh final design uh finished and prototyped and approved and stuff there you go so now we gotta draft the uh the scoop the the uh printed circuit board a layout so that'll be good that i don't know that's the thing we finished wandavision today Oh, very nice. It was it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the beginning and middle of the show interested me more just because there was more mystery. Yeah. But then, like after the last two episodes, very much like okay, this is where the the this curtain comes where... off and we just close it out. It's like, okay, that's cool. Yep. But it didn't like engage me the way the way the rest of the series. Yeah, the buildup it wasn't anticlimactic. The buildup was more exciting than the finale. I feel like because by the time you get to the finale, it's like okay, I see what they're gonna do here. Mm-hmm. Like, so is it, it, it just done there, or are they uh, doing additional seasons? It's, it looks like it'll be a one and done thing. The yeah. story that Wandavision was trying to tell is very much over. But Wanda's arc continues apace. Right, she'll show up in other MCU projects and stuff. It just won't be in Wandavision form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that which I'm cool with one-offs being a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. I don't mind a miniseries. You can it's easier to go back and rewatch and appreciate. Yeah, honestly, there could probably be more miniseries instead of sh- shows that start out as like a miniseries-esque and then balloon out into that's... multiple seasons because ooh, we got money. We can do more with this. Yeah, that's what happened to Stranger Things. They should have put that to bed after season 2. Yeah, I think like at the end of season 2 is when when I sort of started I was like, okay, I wish they would just wrap it up here, but I know they're not going to. Season three was, I feel like we've talked about this before, but season three was... We might have. It was probably early in the podcast, because that's when we... we are, we're certainly in the habit of beating dead horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> Speaking of dead horses, we're the Palladium oh, <laughs> I'm James. I'm Nathan. 
And I'm Riley. And what uh, what this, segment are we doing today? We're doing gregarious games. <clears throat> we remembered this time. Yay. And uh, there are, may often be dead horses in this game we're talking about this week. It is Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Red Dead Horse Redemption 2. Yes. Although I actually managed to get through the whole game without killing any of my horses. Although, or any cats? What's that? Did you kill any cats? Uh, this is a reference to when he played what? Rich Witcher? The Witcher, yeah. No, yes. I didn't find any. I did pet lots of dogs. Well, that's obligatory in, yes. uh, oh, in yes. RDR2. Yeah, you I, must pet the doggo because it's an option available to you. Yeah, I don't recall seeing any cats. But regardless, maybe there were some and I just didn't know where to look. Uh, Barnes? Maybe. And Noble? <sighs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Nathan. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2, which most people probably know, is uh, made by Rockstar Games, who are known for uh, the other Red Dead games. There's Red Dead really? Revolver. They they made other games other than Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. There was one before Red Dead Redemption Two. There was two before actually. It was wow. uh, Red Dead Revolver and Red Dead Redemption, the first one, which came out in 2010. This was this one came out in 2018. They're best known for doing uh, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto, yeah, um, that series, and uh, and then this, and I think the L.A. Noir. They games. did L.A. Noir. Yep. They did a game called Bully. They did a couple other stuff, but. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about those today. This is their most recent big game that they've made, um, relatively speaking. So it follows the story of your character, Arthur Morgan. It's a prequel to the first Red Dead. Um, so you are sort of the, not right-hand man, but like one of the top-ranking members of Dutch Vanderlyn's gang. And this is set in sort of a fictional 1890s tail end of the Wild West America. Um, so the, the, uh, the different areas of the maps, it's an open world game. So usually open world games will have like different biomes as it were. And so each of the biomes or states are like fictional states that represent different regions of the U S. So you have, your like, you're like, um, you know, Arizona, California deserts, you have your sort of mountainous Rocky, like Utah types. And then there's this one southern state, which is sort of, you know, vaguely the south. There's a city in there that looks kind of like what you imagine New Orleans would. And northern and mountain and, and different things like that. You kind of get the, the picture. So sort of a snapshot of America um, in the 1890s. So uh, the game picks up where the gang is on the run after a job gone bad, where they're ambushed by Pinkerton agents who were like was like sort of a private detective agency that the government would pay to like chase after criminals. Um, so they, they are doing a job robbing a bank in Blackwater, but it was a setup and uh, the uh, Pinkerton agents ambushed them and they escaped. But a few of the people died or were arrested in the process. So they escape into the mountains and uh, kind of gradually, you know, work their way to a town and they think you know they've lost the trail of the law so basically how the game goes is that 
your can your gang which is composed of you and then like the different hired guns but also there's like a a number of women and a couple and a one of the one of the gang members kids they're also part of the crew so it's sort of a traveling band and so like everybody plays a part in uh everybody plays a part in you know maintaining the camp and it's it it's get at the beginning of the game it's kind of a family feel to it um, they they sort of Dutch is this very idealistic, self-styled noble outlaw, and uh, he sort of has this um, not virtuous magnanimity to him, but uh, but yeah, he's he's always got a big plan. He's constantly scheming for the next big score, and since the law has kind of been on their tail, um, they're trying to get enough money so they can escape out west or somewhere maybe even out of the country so they can continue to live lives free out in the you know open nature as god intended as it were because it's the 1890s and civilization is starting to slowly creep from the east coast out west and there's not a whole lot of wide open country anymore these days um so they're trying to get away from that uh so they so the so the gang will camp um, in these different regions and uh, try to, you know, do things like go bounty hunting or pick up odd jobs here and there while they scout for a place to rob and get this big score so they can get out of Dodge, as it were. But every time um, every time they do this, uh, they draw, they, they things go kind of wrong. Um, and they draw the attention of the Pinkerton agents who get on their trail, and then they have to pick up and move, and the process repeats. Um, over time, at the beginning of the game, most of the people in the gang still believe in Dutch as the leader. Um, but as things continue to go wrong, one by one, gang members kind of start to lose their faith in Dutch as the leader. Um, and Arthur, Ar this is sort of embodied obviously mainly through the character you play who's arthur morgan um and his interactions with the other people in the gang will depend on where your honor's at which i'll get into later um so yeah uh one job goes wrong very much in the same way blackwaters did in that the pinkerton agents were waiting for them at this bank in the city of saint denis which is sort of a louisiana city um, and so they're ambushed by these agents and they barely escape with their lives. And the gang is sort of scattered. Um, and so they, they're kind of every man for themselves. Uh, and a couple of the gang members, a few of the gang members have died along the way. And a few more die or get captured, including John Marston, who is the main character in the next game. He gets captured. Um, so the gang splits up. There's this weird sort of tangent mission where dutch and arthur and a few of the other guys try to escape on a ship and they get shipwrecked in cuba and then there's this whole thing it's sort of a how to it, it was fun but it was sort of random um and not really consequential to the main story but uh the gang sort of slowly reunites but it's pretty evident that the cracks that have formed in the gang are, are stuff is going to hit the fan pretty quick here. Hmm. Um, and Arthur over time um, is becoming more and more disillusioned with the gang. Now, um, 
one of the gang members is this German named Herr Strauss, and his whole deal is uh, he goes around and basically, through usury, makes the gang money. And so he'll target people who are desperate for loans, and he'll borrow them at what seems like a great rate, but then he'll send Arthur after them to collect and you know ba- beat him up and that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> one of the people you're sent to collect from uh, is coughing and or something and so you beat him up within an inch of his life and he gives you the money but in the process um you get tuberculosis from this dude um and so down the road like over the course of the game like as time progresses through the different chapters uh the uh your character starts coughing a little bit more and more here and there until finally comes to a head where he passes out and then he gets taken to a doctor and he's like Yep, you've got tuberculosis. Uh, you don't have very long to live, so good luck. Here's something for the pain. And so it sort of hits Arthur. Um, well, I was going to say in the gut, but in the lungs, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so he realizes that with what's remaining with his life, he needs to decide what he's going to do with it. Because um, back in the day, he had, you know, he had this lady friend and everything and they were going to get married, but her father didn't approve, but he had a chance to win her back. And then he sort of blew it because he kept sticking with Dutch. Um, yeah. So over like Dutch's descent into madness in this whole, during this whole thing is sort of egged on by this other loose cannon gang member named Micah Bell, who is sort of a psychopath compared to the rest of them. They they have sort of this, at least, they they think themselves as like sort of noble not noble but like you know honor among thieves sort of honor kind of a deal to mm-hmm. him this guy is just like i just want to steal crap and i want to kill people and just you know get a rush out of all of it so arthur doesn't like him but he can't get rid of him and so micah keeps egging on dutch to get more and more violent and more and more desperate and kind of helps accelerate his descent into madness um so dutch ends up always he's always chasing after that one last score even though they've lost a considerable number of their gang members at this point and then there's this one um, oil magnate that they stole from who it turns out because he's rich and doesn't like being stolen from is sort of helping fund the pinkerton detectives who are chasing after them so they hunt down and kill the uh they hunt down and kill the oil magnate and stir up a hornet's nest and uh and then end up killing the pinkerton agents as well uh, eventually but uh yeah they stir up a hornet's nest arthur depending on how you play the game but the gang sort of scatters for good and they get out of dodge they they uh, uh before this before the uh, big breaking of the fellowship as it were they managed to sneak into the penitentiary and steal John back and uh, John Marston back and all that. Hmm. But um, it comes down to a point where the laws on your tail. I think a rival gang is on your tail as well. Or, or no, the, the gang is sort of split up. There's a faction that chose Dutch and then there's a faction that chose Arthur and John um, who's not too happy at Dutch for abandoning him several times to die. So the the gang kind of splits up as they're being chased down by the law. And you, as Arthur, have a choice whether to go after the gang's stash of gold and try to make a break for it or to help John 
and his family, you know, he has a wife, Abigail, and a son, um, boy. Uh, <laughs> why am I not remembering? He's Jack. That's what the kid's name is. So you have a choice of either you um, steal the gold or help John escape. Um, that's sort of the choices for the good and bad ending, regardless of where your honor's at, which, again, I'll get to later. Um, so if you choose... Either way, you end up in a final confrontation with Micah, who's like your rival at this, or your arch rival at this point. So if you choose to go after the money, uh, Micah kills you in a fight. If you choose to go after, uh, or to help John escape, you still fight Micah, but then John escapes and you are, you succumb to your tuberculosis um, after Micah beats you up a bunch. And so that's like the good ending versus bad ending. And so after Arthur dies, um, the perspective shifts over to John Marston. And this is several years down the line. And he and his family have been sort of on the run, you know, going from place to place, trying to find a place to settle down. Um, And over the course of time, John realizes he needs to give up his life as a sharpshooter and build a new home for his family. So he does that. <clears throat> he builds a cabin with the help of some of the friendly gang members that they reunite with. And then they discover that uh, Micah, who they see is responsible for, you know, the breaking up of their gang and uh, and sort of Arthur's death, they, re- they, they discover him hiding up in the mountains and like, all right, we need to get revenge, so let's finish him off one, once and for all. So John and a couple of the remaining gang members hunt him down and they discover Dutch is there with them. But uh, it turns out that Micah had at a certain point been captured by the Pinkertons and was leading them, had betrayed the gang and was leading them to the gang, the different gang hideouts, whatnot, basically. So they're like, Dutch, this guy's a traitor. You got to let us kill him. And Dutch is like, all right, whatever. So you kill him and then. John goes back to his family and settles down, and that leads up to the events of the next game. So that's... Well, the previous game, you should say. Yeah. <laughs> next game chronologically in the canon. So that's that's the broad overview. Um, <clears throat> this is, you know, it's an open-world game. It's big. There's lots of side quests and missions that I won't get too much into, but the game is sort of... Uh, a bit of a walking simulator sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, you have to physically walk to places. You have to take care of your horse. You know, you have to feed it, brush it, you know, not run it into trees. And uh, there's some there's some different immersion, uh, immersion type things too where you can go hunting, you can go fishing, you can camp out in the wild. There's rival gangs, there's towns, and uh, little mini side quest things you can do in the towns. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's all it's all very you, you can you can play poker and drink with your buddies in the camps. You can sing songs around the campfire. Old West Simulator, basically. But um, some of the things I find really interesting about this game is the one of the things I think is really cool is the story structure. Oh. Um, so game video games can be. I think oftentimes they can be sort of compared to movies in terms of how they are written and how they kind of play out. Cause you have your story, you go th- like the standard, like say shooter. Cause this is, I think can be considered an open world shooter. Um, 
with some mild RPG, but not really RPG elements to it. Um, influences, I guess. But um, usually with shooters, you know, even with open world, you kind of go from mission to mission, set piece to set piece, and uh, climax, and that's it. And that's yeah, kind of what this does. It points you down a, a direct and specific path through the story. Yeah. Even if there's multiple paths through it, it's mm-hmm. very clear that there's one intended story. And this is that, but the way it's – this is – it still follows a lot of those conventions. But what's interesting is that um, the story is framed – like a chapter book like you're reading a book about these characters in the old west and like each and like throughout the story arthur is writing these things down in his journal um and then john who takes his journal continues the story after um and so in each chapter like you know is when something comes to a head and then they move on to the next area so that's kind of interesting too and and kind of like a book, the story doesn't move along that quickly. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, open world filler stuff you can do. Um, but over the course of time, you really get to know each of the characters. Each of them has like their own miniature arc that plays in the main story. But everything is tied together by the main story of the gang. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I guess I'm trying to think of more ways it would tie into like a, cause I don't know. And then the whole experience of it really reminded me of more of like an attitude that you would take reading a really immersive novel versus like playing in an action movie to me, I guess that's sort of the impression I came away with. Sure. You just stop and describe the landscape for a bit and mm-hmm. just kind of take in the scenery or looked at a, look at a hand sketched, you know, mountain landscape sort of a thing, you know, like, it's uh like and you know you people who've seen it or you watch me play I, I a little bit. I looked over your shoulder. It's a very very pretty game. Oh yeah. Um, I think it it does like it's a video game, but it does an uncannily good job, especially like in you know the parts of the country I'm most familiar with is like the Midwest and the and Great Plains and some of the mountains, and it really captures the essence and spirit of of that and those parts of the map. I've never been to the desert, so I can't really speak to that, but. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, you sort of slowly move your way through this world, interact with people, live, eat, and breathe in it like they do. And then you get to spend a long time with the character and come to identify with them by the gameplay, much like in other video games. But this one, I don't know, it just really gave the feeling like you're reading a really good novel versus playing a really good action game or action movie as it were. Um, so yeah, uh, see if I had anything else on there, but I mean, that's the gist of it. Um, there's some, there's some other things too. I'll get into more depth with when we do the transcendental analysis, but, um, so honor is, uh, sort of one of the key mechanics in this game and it's based off of, you know, the actions you perform. It's like a, it's it's a it's like your good versus evil meter. Yeah, right? pretty Where much. You take, do good actions, you do bad actions. Good and... actions and good bad actions have like different scores based on how severe they are. It's not like a number amount, but it moves your slider up and down. Right. You got other games like Infamous or something like that that has like a in-game like good versus evil counter, like a, like well, Je- Jedi yeah. um, RPGs or whatever. Yeah, the 
Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where it's like you're either dark side or your light side. You put points into one and points to the other. It's very, mm-hmm. very similar. And some of the older Fable games have that as well. Sure. Yeah. And then Bioshock, to an extent, had sort of a nah, proto. It, it was had, sort of a proto it, morality system. It wasn't system. like an on screen hovering over your head kind of thing in Bioshock. Mm-hmm. You knew it was intended to be that is just kind of like in the back of your mind yeah and not like an on-screen element that changes how things turn out really yeah in uh in rdr2 the uh the honor bar only shows up when you do a good or bad action like and if you do enough of those actions to move that bar up or down so if you do enough you know bad things you know rob people kill people who you know if it's not like self-defense or just are mean to people, like if you just insult and shout at people and get drunk and make a nuisance of yourself. If you play this game like GTA five with horses, you will get negative honor very quickly. But if you make a special effort to slowly over time, you know, be a good, you know, be a nice person. Just shout howdy from your horses. Yeah. If you yell howdy a bunch and are friendly, you can knock up your honor um, a bunch. But also, like, there, the game gives you a bunch of these honor missions, which are side quests that take place in each of the different chapters and regions you're in, where you have the chance to kind of play through these miniature story side arcs. But if you play through them honorably, they'll considerably raise your honor and help you max it out by the end of the game. Um, so the honor, it is and it, it does and it doesn't play a huge impact on the game. I mean, just considering, like, with game design, like, you can only have so many, um, you can ha- only have so many things that split off. Right. Like, it all, it's all got to come back together to some sort of end that's similar, because you can only program so many game endings, as it were. I guess you would be able to speak more to this, Riley. Yeah. Uh, it depends, really, on how much effort you're willing to put into it. Mm-hmm. There, what, what's a common convention in like some of these huge open world games like Skyrim or Fallout 4 or whatever? What you have, what's called like a, a state, a game state, a thing that you store in a file, and that will basically say this thing has happened, this thing has happened, and this thing has happened, etc., for everything that you've done, experienced, or witnessed. Mm hmm. And so the game can, you can program individual events to respond to that game state. Mm-hmm. So you can actually make it really complex without having to like manually create unique endings for each of the individual tracks you want to have. Mm-hmm. But so in this case, they, this, they this chose game not to put that isn't effort in. as in well, depth as, say, a Fallout or a Skyrim per se, in terms of like how your choices. Well, this case also has a character with a defining beginning point in the uh, in the in prior the game, and so you want to gear the entire story to get to that point, right? Yep, yep. You it's want, a prequel. And with y- your character characters as with as many nuanced characters as the game has, and it's fully voice acted, mm-hmm. and it's just a lot more labor intensive to have to. Yeah, the uh, story itself isn't it. impacted a ton by like the the progression of the story itself. Like you can't really change the ending because I mean, in the end, everyone dies. John escapes, and you die. But. Um, the manner of your death is up to your choosing, I suppose, whether that's honorably or dishonorably. Um, 
and also there's a few there, there's a few mechanical things that happen with high and low honor as well like if you have high honor um people in the town are more friend in towns are more friendly to you um they remember if you commit violent violent crimes in the town because they are all like suspicious of you and don't want anything to do with you. You get discounts in stores if you have really high honor, and you get the cops called on you when you have really low honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and you you get you get price hikes as well uh, by the same token when you have low honor. But you also rob more money when you have low honor anyway. So yeah, yeah. And balances. then there's different rewards for picking up valuable items based on each. But then the story impacts um, your honor. You can still do all the honor missions, but then, um, you know, whether or not those have an out, how you behave in those determines whether or not you have an honorable outcome or a dishonorable one. But for the main story, it's kind of interesting because every now and again, especially as Arthur gets to be, you know, closer and closer to dying, he sort of will drift off um, and start thinking about things. And he has like these sort of visions um, sort of uh, representing, you know, who he is. And uh, it, it's it's a little abstract, but kind of reminds me of like uh, who wrote. Jack, Lon- it kind of reminds me of a Jack London book and some of these sequences. Mm-hmm. So there's these sequences where you have these visions of your of an animal going through the forest briefly, and that animal, if you are honorable, is like a buck chasing the sun's rays. Um, if you have low honor, then you're a black coyote in the rain. In is these sort a, of daydreams, is there a middle thing or no? Not really. No, not really. There's no medium place. Yeah. <laughs> Arthur's interactions with the gang members is altered by how honorable or dishonorable he is too. I mean, you can choose different dialogue options, but, and then like the cutscenes, if you have low honor, he'll be really terse and selfish and be more focused on money and power. Um, and just really selfish. But if you have high honor, then he's looking out for the needs of, you know, the people in the gang that he cares about, mm-hmm. or he'll like get really, up in arms against the people who are dishonorable in the gang. Um, and so there's a few of the gang members that he helps escape and start new lives besides John um, and his family. But those are the main ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so your higher low honor de- determines, you know, how you interact with the world around you. And I'll get more into that into the, in the analysis, but, yeah. but yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'm not going to go too in depth with the story. There's some, there's some, uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was sort of a slow burner. I think I played through it faster than a lot of people would have just because I'm, I don't know. When I get into a game, I just sort of lock into it and my task completing nature really. But still, it took it, you but... a while to finish it, even though you were, you know. Yeah, I wasn't like trying to speed run it or anything, <laughs> but I, I, was, I did. I'll, I wonder how fast an RDR2 speed run is. I'm sure there's well, with open world it. games. There's always some kind of crazy exploit that someone has where <laughs> mm-hmm. they clip through the wall and teleport get a into thing before there's they aren't supposed to, to be in. Trigger yeah. a cutscene at the end of the game, like 15 minutes in, and mm-hmm. now they have a item and a condition so that they can go to the final boss or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure there's some shenanigans like that. But yeah, those are, uh, I guess, the main things. I mean, yeah. Well, um, 
much of the fun of an open world game is really just exploring it and experiencing it and just kind of participating in the thing that the developer created. Yeah, yeah. it's almost yeah. like the and point RDRT, of... It's yeah. like the point of an open world is the open world, mm-hmm. right? They And RDR2 is like really in-depth with its open mm-hmm. world with the towns and the, the vast forests and mountains and stuff. Yeah, I'd say at this point it's pretty safe to say my favorite types of games are open world with good story. I mean, I've played a couple. Like Just Cause obviously isn't the most story-rich. <laughs> um, but RDR2 and then um, The Witcher which has some open world aspects to it. Yeah, The Witcher's definitely open world. Um, you know, once you get through the main storyline, everything yeah. from there is whatever you want to do with it. I guess, uh, yeah. So the, the world is very rich and feels very lived in. And one of the ways they achieve that is through this like random encounters mechanic where you'll come across people in different situations and you can choose whether to help them or press the wrong button and kill them by accident when you're trying to untie them. That happened more than once. Mm. Um, <laughs> Were press... they tied onto railroad tracks? No, no. Like, nope. uh, like this person was being kidnapped and I got rid of the kidnapper and tried to untie her and I ended up kicking her to death by accident. Cause E is untie or no, I think E and F were untie or kill. And, Look, glancing down at the keyboard, I should have better muscle memory. There were moments like that that happened where you can accidentally. You're trying you, to pay her your respects to her, but then uh, mm-hmm. you effed it up. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Or rather, uh, you eat it up. Or no, no, I think it was hold down or tap, and oh. I tapped instead of held uh. down. That's what it was. Oh. Anyway, minor detail. But um, yeah, the random encounters. Also help you with, like with your honor and different things like that, but also helps to achieve the effect. Like there's, there's there's people going about their lives, and you know their horse will run off on them while they're trying to, you know, get something that's out of its shoe, or get something out of its shoe that's bugging them. You know, different little things like that. Or a lady is like stranded because her horse has died. Could you take her to the next town? You know, different things like that. So it's it, the world is very lived in. It's it's easy too to like make people angry and try to kill you like if you walk too close to them or like stand and stare at them for too long. There's a little, little it's not glitchy but it's just kind of some of the mechanics are kind of finicky. A little finicky, yeah. But that that creates some kind of fun and wild moments that keeps the gameplay fresh, so. I suppose that's about the extent of uh most of the things I like about it. I just really love it's very immersive as a world and it's sort of a, it reminded me how much I enjoy the outdoors <laughs> for a video game. It's like, dang, I, rem- I miss living in the country. I could, I, I, I mean, I didn't like s- hunt for subsistence or anything, but you know, like kind of like, oh yeah, this is what walking the woods kind of feels like. I should go home and walk in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's not cold. Yeah. What, uh, what do you guys, I mean, we've touched on this a little bit. What are you guys impressions of uh, RDR2? I think one of the observations that I have made is that, like, in most of your open world games, you know, the 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 world is a vehicle for side quests. Yeah. You know, it's just more space to shove more stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas in RDR2, side quests are kind of like a vehicle to experience the world. Experience yeah. the world and develop your character, as it were. 
like not through upgrades, but, but like you see it, you get to interact with people and develop your yeah, personality kind of as like, well. You know, you're not you're not defined by your doing you're defined by your being and your mm-hmm. experiencing yep which mm-hmm. is a, a very catholic notion of how to do life yeah you aren't yep. defined by what you do you're defined by who you are mm-hmm. yeah you know, you're not just going around the world to accomplish things and make money and whatever other your goals are mm-hmm. it's just to experience the beauty of a place mm-hmm and that the game really encourages you to do that the way it's designed. Yeah, even I though like you are an outlaw and you kind of do things that are morally, qu- morally, you know, questionable time and time again. I I get crap from this uh, certain group of people for the way I typically play video games. A certain group of people. Um, that uh, I a certain often. Certain group of people being me. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tend to be sort of mess around and goof off a bunch in ways that are detrimental that he listened to this sort of online episode (laughs) yes (laughs) and forget that he watched that show and talked with me about it on the episode all that just went zoom right through his head yeah but in this game like the the consequences of your actions are very much like very palpable in this versus other games where you can kind of i mean in this one you can still kind of get around it so when there's no consequences it's fine to do right well um it's it's not like (laughs) a gta where after you you get wasted um like the whole point is to be a despotic but like all the all the negative consequences reset after you die right yeah you feel the impact of your actions on the world around you and i think um something interesting about the way the story of this game is laid out is ha- a char- giving your character a terminal illness mm-hmm. is a very natural way to introduce this introspective what have I done with my life so far yeah. kind of thought, right? He starts meditating almost on like the kind of person he is. Right, and so you, it forces you to look at what kind of person you've made him into mm-hmm. through playing him, right? So it's like you get to this point... He's got a terminal illness now, and so it's that's when most people would reevaluate their life and look at, like, what am I doing and what am I going to do for right now, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's an interesting way to, like, look at, to analyze your your um, behavior th- throughout the game in mm-hmm. a non-gamey, story-driven way. Yeah. Because sometimes it's just like, oh, your meter's all, all the way at the bad side, so mm-hmm. you get the bad ending where the guy dies, right? Yeah. Um, whereas this is just like, it, it feels more like the natural conclusion to a, a book or a story, right? Yeah. And then also like how high or low your honor is when you die and what ending you choose sort of um, in like the, the epilogue of the game. Did you get a bigger gravestone? The The gravestone is different. Oh. I think I think there's like the Bible verse on their changes. Oh. Um, yeah. So if you have a high honor ending, your epitaph reads, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then with low honor, it's blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Interesting. Um, but uh, people um, people also in the epilogue remember you differently based on what you, based on which ending you chose and how high or low your honor was. So you get different like eulogies almost from each of the surviving gang members? More or less, yeah. Um, that, that's neat and then the you, people who knew you well yeah or your or arthur well 
Then so, yeah. John gets his journal, right? So you can flip yeah. through that, and it kind of gives you a mm-hmm. in-game explanation for the passing of the torch and why this character knows yep. all the stuff he knows. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, there's a yeah, it's very and for a Rockstar game, they have a reputation, especially the Grand Theft Auto games. But for this game is, uh, I mean, there's language and violence, but there it's a otherwise pretty clean game there isn't you know the stuff that gta 5 is known for in there there's like innuendo and implied stuff but you know it's relatively speaking clean in that regard so for an m-rated game yeah right right um so yeah it's not a whole lot to worry about on that front no i mean obviously there's violence but obviously that's in a lot of games from from what and I language. saw, it got kind of gritty from time to time. It did, yeah. It's uh, it's sort of uh, it's kind of like when we were talking in way back in the uh, um, Logan episode, oh, sure. sort of like the uh, what was it, like the um, there's the type of western. I'm trying to remember. Is it was the post western? Was that what they called it? I don't know. That kind of feel to it. But yeah, Logan was very much a western, but with superheroes. Yeah, and hey, the 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 violent gunman died at the end. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 so this kind of borrows from like the shootist and other yeah and like, Shane. late time yeah depending Shane. on the ending you choose yeah. So it kind of like draws inspiration from that kind of a western. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I suppose um, with that. We'll get into the transcendental analysis. Transcendental analysis. Yes. Um, so for truth, the thing that sticks out to me the most, we talked a lot about the honor system. Um, <clears throat> I think what this game captures well is that, I mean, good and bad person not being like, you know, um, You be, you are either a virtuous person or a what's, what would vicious. be like what's that vicious is yeah you word. are virtuous or vicious the two not ways. through like big benchmark decision points but through by all themselves. the little things that add up yeah through all the little things that add up that the, the game mechanics are set up as such where it reflects that and so all the little things you do add up to eventually the big choices mm-hmm. exactly. But it's like the big choices aren't the only thing that define you, or yeah, like they would be in other games. Where it's and like, the big choices aren't even what they are without the little things along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is reflective of real life because, like, you know, we all have, um, we all have access to, you know, grace through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then, our actions to either choose grace or reject it you know, to choose God or to sin are in the everyday little decisions that we make. And the more we choose one, the easier it is to keep choosing it. Yeah. And this game is very reflective of that and probably the most realistic way I've seen in a video game and the way it's implemented. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's like the biggest nugget, I suppose, to take away. Um, also, uh, crime doesn't pay <laughs> is another one uh, because, like, the greed of like the different gang members and like 
you know, the descent into madness. Because over time, like at the beginning of the game, Dutch is seen to be sort of like an honorable criminal. But then over time, as he becomes more and more frustrated and things are more and more not going his way, and he's egged on by Micah, he starts doing things that the other members of the gang are like. Like they run into this Italian mob boss in Saint Denis, and then he gets vindictive and feeds him to an alligator, and that like gives everybody like, "Whoa, Dutch isn't the same guy anymore." To the point where like one of his char- Dutch's characteristics at the beginning of the game is he's fiercely loyal and wants to protect his family, that is his gang. But then towards the end, he sees the gang members as expendable and starts betraying them or just letting them die. Like when John gets. Um, John Marston gets captured by the Pinkertons during the big bank job that went wrong. Um, it's said that Dutch could have done something, but he chose not to, and he just let it happen. And there are a couple of times where you're playing as Arthur when you're in some hairy situations, and Dutch just sort of leaves you on your own instead of, um, instead of you know fighting for you. So over time, his greed and his desire for revenge and um, you know, self, yeah, ultimately his selfishness is what gets, you know, the people he cares about most killed. And he's, he's chasing after that next big score. He's got to get that high, man. You got to get that like... score, that big high. And then he leaves a, they leave a path of destruction in their wake mm-hmm. as well. Cause he's never satisfied with what they get, even mostly because it goes wrong. But... Right. And they make each, t- each town, each place too hot to hold them and end up destroying lives along the way. So, yeah. I guess serving self-interest is destructive to not only yourself, but everybody else around you. Mm -hmm. And that's like one of the key themes of the game, I think. Whereas, you know, if you're high honor Arthur building bonds and helping people out of situations, Mm -hmm. it's uh, a lot more good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. I suppose that's kind of speaking of good. Hmm? Yeah. Goodness. Um, I think some of the best moments of goodness in the game, like there's like the parts of the story where like, if you choose the good ending, you know, you help, you, you sacrifice yourself so that another man and his family can try to make a new life for themselves. As opposed to dying, trying to get the new life for yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you die a hero, not live long enough to see yourself become a villain mm-hmm. to put it in Batman movie terms. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you sacrifice yourself in the good ending to allow other people to have a better life and escape a life of crime. Um, whereas if you choose a bad ending, you know, it's like you know, you're just another casualty of an unfortunate circumstance. But of uh, let's see. what. But then a lot of like the honor missions are where you really get opportunities to do good for others. Um, for example, there's like one where you come across this widow in the woods who, whose husband had been killed in a bear attack. And then you sort of, uh, help her learn how to hunt so she can survive and fend for herself. And then there's, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of another one. Oh, and like this, uh, Southern town, there's like these, uh, two clans that are sort of constantly at war with each other. Kind of like the, uh, Hatfields and McCoys sort yep. of thing. Yep, it's it's pretty uh, modeled after that feud. There's sort of a Romeo and Juliet situation going on, and so you sort of reluctantly help them, you know, get out of that whole mess. And even though your gang burns one of the family's houses to the ground as part of a revenge mission, like you sort of are able to 
pick them up out of that and help them escape and start a new life together and get married and all that stuff. So there's different opportunities like that to be, to go out of your, like to do these things, you have to go out of your way because they're not required for the main story. Mm-hmm. You have to go out of your way to help these people. And that increases your honor and, you know, and you're a better person for it. Um, but yeah, even though the game, even though like this is like an outlaw gang, it doesn't shy away from the fact that even though these people see themselves as at worst morally gray, although over time they start to realize they, they're kind of aware that, yeah, they're bad people, but they're just like, oh, it's just a laugh out shows, you know? And then, but over time they do see like, no, this is, there's a reason why this is this way of law. life it's, it's against the law. Excuse me. There's a reason why this way of life is dying out is because people, you know, this isn't how people are meant to live. There are victims. Um, Arthur tells the story actually close to the end of the game, how he'd actually back in the day, he'd had a son with this, with this gal and, you know, due to his life of crime, he wasn't able to be with them, but he would check in on them every once in a while, um, give them some money and things. But one time when he came back, he, they had been, um, murdered, um, because somebody randomly decided to rob them. They didn't have anything. So they killed them. And that sort of illustrated to him the senseless violence of this way of life. Um, because it wasn't because Arthur was a gangster and then they were out to get him. It was just sort of random, you know, depravity. And that sort of was the initial moment he, lo- now looking back, you know, as he's dying, is like sort of opened his eyes to the fact like this way of life is like, you know, not good and causes a lot of suffering. So, um yeah, there's a lot more. I, I'm not gonna, you know, go into everything in the game because obviously I think you should play it if you're down for it. So those are those are some of the main elements I think are good. Beauty, we I touched mean, on it. The game is pretty gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. you had it running on decent specs on your computer here. Yeah, uh, it's the it's scenery's a, great. It's a good looking game. Lots of wildlife. Lots like, of the lighting is really mm-hmm. good. I think that that does a lot of the heavy lifting. It's really natural yeah. looking. There's a lot of work that went into this too. A lot of voice lines for all the characters based off of like any of the number of inter, you know, interactions you could have with them. The game is for a video game, and for the most part, it's pretty. It's really well written. The dialogue is great. The cutscenes are great, and a lot of the times too, like you're not really in a cutscene so much as you're playing along with what's happening in the story. Not like a quick time moment either. Like you're, well, a lot of dialogue happens when you're riding horses with the gang between places, you know, but. Um, there's the music it's since it's an open world game there aren't isn't a ton it's kind of like in breath of the wild like where if you get into a fight there's different songs that'll play you know based on your actions but also you'll just be riding around and you'll hear like a little electric guitar and And a little harmonica here and there yeah just kind of like oh oh yeah this feels like a western yeah the type of music that plays like if you're just walking around in the country it's sort of like a folky banjo guitar like atmospheric stuff but then when you're getting into you know cowboy shooting shooting things up and fighting and stealing stuff then it's a lot more of like that spaghetti western you know good bad and the ugly electric guitar with the extra reverb and whip cracks and stuff like that you know kind of like nathan was saying um but uh also for story moments like for example like when arthur realizes like he's gonna die and like there's these different sequences, you know, he realizes like there's sort of 
especially at the end. Um, there's uh, let's see, at the end as he's like marching to like the big final battle, as it were. Um, there's like the, there's these different tracks that kind of hits you right in the feels, mm-hmm. and you sort of feel with Arthur like this sort of the the weight of the moment, and like you know you're riding off to do your last last hurrah as a cowboy as or so really uh it's good stuff um unity what brings it all together uh i think the one uniting factor from what i've heard is is the world itself yeah it's about like this is a living breathing world not just a place a vehicle like riley is saying for you to do things but like what you do affects the world and the world affects you and what you do Mm -hmm. which is I think in this a lot of ways this game is a microcosm of real life that way. Yeah. That's pretty unique. <sighs> yeah. Um it, when I, you were telling the story earlier and you got to the part where you got tuberculosis, I I <laughs> I had to snicker to myself cuz I imagined uh like in Zelda when you go into a chest and you pull something out and go hold it over your head and it's you like got tubercul- you got tuberculosis. <laughs> 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 so I, I i may have uh snickered back when you did that because i just <laughs> tuberculosis that, that terminal Im- illness <laughs> Scoff. you're dying <laughs> mortality but what's interesting too in the part like when you over time as you are like sick and dying you actually can't eat or drink as much to like refill your you know your health core your stamina and your dead eye which lets you shoot people in slow motion oh it's like you're you're actually losing functions. Yeah. As you interesting. And every once in a while you'll sort of cough and like almost black out at random moments too. That's one way to increase difficulty toward the end. Mm-hmm. In ways that are organic. But yeah. Well, it's his organs failing, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any uh final thoughts, boys? Nope. All right. Other than the fact that it's on my list of games I should probably play at some point. Yeah, not really. We, I think we kind of hit all the points. Yeah, try it out. I recommend it. Um, so with that, I guess uh, thanks for listening to Palladium Papists. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Palapapis. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at palladiumpapists at gmail.com. We'll probably get to some of those suggestions at some point because there was another suggestion submitted that I haven't decided whether or not I actually want to do an episode on it, but we'll get there. We'll see. Do Um, tell. This is the first I've heard of it. Corpse Bride. What was the other one? Uh, That that was the second one. James, you mustn't let your aversion to Tim Burton uh, get in the way of us respecting our audience. I guess so. I'll we, give it. I'll give it the, what it's due. I'll, I'll engage in the virtue of justice. I'll give give it what it's due. Of course, my subjective. That, that'll be eventually, though. Yeah, at an undisclosed date. Did we talk, did we talk about Aquaman prior to doing that? We might have. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Hey, look. Hey, look, the callback. (laughs) Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.